Hey everyone, welcome back to the PK Podcast, where that PK stands for Preacher's Kid, Not Perfect Kid. And speaking of not perfect, Eli, it's time for that weekly weather update in Wilmington, North Carolina. How are things going on your side of the country? Hot and humid. Hey. That's all it is. It's going to rain and it's humid and it feels like a cloud outside. Well, I mean, that's the burden that you bear for being that close to the beach. I can't wait to see you. In just a couple of months, we've got Revival Nights coming out to the East Coast, and it's going to be an incredible, incredible time, and I can't wait to hear uh, Lachlan. I just like sitting down with Eli's brother-in-law, Lachlan, and talking (laughs) because he's got the coolest accent. Everything he says sounds so profound and spiritual. It's way more spiritual. I mean, I think that's how he got Bailey. Um, Exactly. I I think that that's what it was. That was the selling point right there. But today we have another, we have a uh, multicultural guest with us today. Doesn't that sound (laughs) way cooler than it, than it really is? If you've been listening to the podcast for very long, you know that one of my favorite jokes to make is how I married into a Hispanic family and became the tallest person in my family overnight. It was the coolest phenomena. (laughs) It's never been true at any other point in my history, but Uh, One of the really unique things about the family that I married into is they have a history and a legacy of ministry as well. I'm a fourth generation preacher's kid, and so is my wife. Uh, And today we have her dad, the Reverend Bishop Evangelist and Apostle Samuel. (laughs) No, Sammy Lopez is on the podcast with us today. Sammy, how are you doing? Guys, man, doing good, bro. First of all, let me just say this. That that is true. When John came into the family, he towered over everyone. But watch this. Go to my dad's side of the family, I tower over everyone. John will be a giant. I can tell you that right now. So that's how it goes, man. It took me till ninth grade to be taller than even the girls in my class. So this is really a life, uh, it's a monumental thing. Bro, I can't even go to elementary school, bro, because I would fit in with all the kids. That's how smart I am. <laughs> it's it's exciting to have you here today, and we want to get everything kind of loosened up. So I've got some rapid-fire questions for you. These are, awesome. don't think about it, just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you cool. ready? Let's do it. Here we go. Rapid-fire, Spanish slang word that we should know, and what's it mean? Orale, that means let's, let's, what's up, let's do it. What's your favorite food? Wings, buffalo wings. Best state in the United States? Right now, Texas. Favorite football team? Oh, Dallas Cowboys, son. Woo, there we the go. The number one reason why they won't win the Super Bowl this year? Jerry Jones. And what's the best ride at Disney? My favorite of all time would have to be Pirates of the Caribbean. Come on, absolutely. Something just, the atmosphere just changes when you hear that Dead men tell no tales. You just bro, and the smell, the air conditioned smell in that is so nostalgic. It's ridiculous, bro. It's like it's like it's like a barbecue in the back of your house. That's nostalgia, right? The summer's coming up. You smell the barbecue, but the nostalgia of going into Pirates of the Caribbean, smelling the air condition while it's hot outside, and smelling the chlorine in that water, man. That's that's just beautiful. That's just I know exactly what you mean though. So like I'm tracking right you there. You know what I'm saying? So those are that, those... that musty smell that's like perfect for it. Yes, it's, it's like it's like a an old church building. It's yeah, great. maybe that's why we like it so much. 
John, what's your favorite ride, Disney? Ooh, I think that Soren wins my favorite ride uh, of all of the parks, but I agree that Pirates has the most uh, nostalgia for me. My least favorite ride, you didn't ask, but my least favorite is It's a Small World. If I never heard that song again, it would be too soon. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to hear that song? The only win of that, what I am convinced is a demonically possessed ride. I'm confident that I sensed an evil presence in there as some of those robots were twitching every which way. The only redeeming factor of that thing is that it's 27 minutes long and it's air conditioned. So if you need a nap and you need to get cool in the summer, that's the place to go. Otherwise, I mean, but I've got to, I've got to pray throughout the whole thing. Just the power to nap. Make, yeah. <laughs> Well, hey, Sammy, thank you for being on here today. Um, for those of you who do not know, um, me and Sammy agree on sports teams uh, through and through. And we also agree that we both are Disney fanatics as well. So we're just meant to be best friends. Is what, yes, uh, 100%. My boy but, but hey, we want to we dive into this. Um, so I just kind of want to give you kind of a, a question here for you to, to answer this. And so... Um, I just want to hear from your perspective. Uh, what would surprise us about you growing up as a PK in the Hispanic culture? Um, and so what, what does that look like? Is that any different from, from our culture? Tell us a little bit about that. No, you know, I think, I think PKs are a culture in and of itself. Yeah. Whether you are brown or white or black, it's funny because it's, it's, it's almost like a, a fraternity, man. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've been amongst African-American pastors, kids, and we experience the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, white pastors, kids experience the same thing. So there is nothing really different in the church world as much as I, I think the only difference that you'll see is um, maybe the songs you sing or maybe yeah. some of the things that you grew up doing in the church. But preachers, but being a PK Mm -hmm. is a it, it's a fraternity of people that just understand each other that's just how it goes it, it, it really is it's funny because i've met preachers kids you know through the years and we just connect like this it's yeah. it's a fraternity man it's like it's like skulls and bones blood in blood out baby like this is it like we understand each other you may not even know them from joe blow off the street but man once you say i'm a pk like i'm a pk and that connection is immediate that's why Eli Blevins that's why our connection has been good because not only the Dallas Cowboys and and not only you know uh, uh Disney World but our connection as preachers kids just it just does it we understand it yeah absolutely now your dad did quite a bit of church planting from Texas to Arizona big cities to small cities um how is the church planting life different from the inheriting and established church life? It's almost, and again, I, I got to be very careful on how I say this because I, I don't want to sound like I'm going to try to parallel or compare two, but it's almost military. You know, uh, I've heard of military brats that will go from one city to another city, one state to another state, one country to another country. It's almost the same feel, uh, just not military. Uh, just, uh, you know, um, in the church work. So, you know, it, it's, um, it's a different feel as opposed to being set in one place. Because I remember, you know, growing up, my, my stomping grounds is Tucson, Arizona. That's where I grew up. That's what I would say is my place of, because I remember everything in Tucson. 
uh, by my sixth grade year, I remember leaving from Tucson uh, and going to Lubbock, Texas. I went from mountains and beauty to complete tornadoes and dust storms. And I was there my seventh grade year, watch this, to the middle of my junior year. Then we went from Lubbock, which is basically up in West Texas, all the way down to South Texas, the middle of my junior year, going to McAllen, Texas, which basically is Little Mexico. So it was a culture shock. So I never was able to graduate with my class or continue through the years with my class. I had to find new people, new friends, not only that, new cities and new adventures. So, you know, you can take that how it is. You can take that bitterly and just I'm bitter and I, you know, I wanted to be with my friends or you can take that as one of the greatest adventures of your life. I kind of took those two as both. I'm curious about the, the constant shifting. I experienced a little bit of that and we've met a number of PKs who have brought up things like, oh, I didn't get this, I didn't get that. And true, there, there's a lot of sacrifice. How do you, how do you handle that spiritually and emotionally? Um, because it doesn't sound like you're taking those things as a, oh man, I was so deprived and it sucked and th it was the worst. You sound fairly cool with it. Yeah, because again, you know, look, being a preacher's kid, let's be real. And for those that are that are preacher's kids listening to the, to the podcast, man, there's some things that you will see that nobody else will ever see. I had to learn that easily because I could have very easily taken you know, life on the road and life, you know, one U-Haul to the next, one city to the next. And I've taken, I could have taken that and been bitter or got bitter, right? But I wasn't necessarily bitter with the move or with ministry. Let me tell you what I became bitter at. I became bitter uh, toward the church because of what I've seen when I was a kid as, as, as hypocrisy, but I was not bitter necessarily towards my mom and dad. Um, yes, I was rebellious in certain, in certain ways. And yes, I did dumb things but the adventure is literally in the ministry and you'll have to just change your mindset on that because again you know if some of you today that you know you find yourself as mom you know your mom and dad you know been in ministry and you know ha have you ever heard the statement uh because i said this to my mom and dad I, I always tell my dad dad i just wish you were a normal person i just wish you just had a normal job yeah and i thank god my dad was not a normal person and right. I thank God that my dad didn't have a normal job. Let me tell you something. This is the greatest experience you can ever have, but it's how you're going to see it, man. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So could you imagine just being normal? Doggone it. Your, your dad, we, you know, out of the house, nine to five, come on in. It's the same constant routine. In ministry, every day was something stinking new, right? So it just, it's, it's how you see it. That's I, don't, I don't know about you, but I... <clears throat> I don't have any context for normality um, as most no. people would define it. I, I never lived it. I never knew anything outside of it. And I'm not in ministry today because my family was in ministry. Um, I love how our friend Ben put it. He said, you're not, you're not preaching because you're a Groves. You're, God made you a Groves because you're going to be a preacher. You know, and he used that in his own uh, mm. family's context. But I don't have any context for normality. And I remember knowing that ministry was my calling early on. And when my friends would say that they wanted to do anything else, like I want to be a contractor, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a whatever. I just, I was like, what? How could you want to do that? Like when this is so much, I don't know, Eli, were you like that at all when you were a kid? Yeah, I, the biggest thing for me, the, the difference was, is family vacations. 
because you didn't have the weekends off. So it's like, and you didn't have holidays off. It's like, oh, sweet, everyone's going away for, you know, spring break, but that's also Easter, you know, and that's, that's definitely not happening. Uh, then there's Christmas, you know, well, there's Christmas services and Christmas Eve, so ain't doing that. So I think some of those little things like that, you're like, man, okay, this is not uh, the most normal, but it's, uh, I think we hear, we heard it all during the pandemic, the new normal. Now it's just the craziness of life. Now it's just normal. So that is normal yeah. every day. It's like a spin the wheel kind of deal. What, what today is the dial going to land on? All right, we're going with this. Boom, here we go. Yeah, you should expect, you should not expect <clears throat> ministry to be normal. And I pray in the name of Jesus, if you find ministry normal, you're, you're not doing what God wants you to do. Everything's so, so out of the normal. Uh, you know, it's funny because, you know, I've always said, you know, now that, now that I'm a pastor, I always said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to establish my roots in one place. I couldn't handle it. I had to go to the next place and then the next place. So, you know, and I'm sure one day in my life, again, I'll go to a, the next place. That's just how it goes because it's in your DNA, man. It's, it's your calling. It's, what, it's the blood in you. So I would just say to every preacher's kid here, don't get mad. Don't get ticked off. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the adventure because one day when you grow up and you get older, you're going to say, man, that was fun. I should have experienced it even greater. And uh, yeah, you don't, you don't ever want to miss out on what God's doing. Absolutely. I'm picturing a t-shirt that we need to make <clears throat> and sell that's for PKs and it just says, don't get mad, get glad on there. That that may be our new uh that may be our new podcast tagline right there don't get mad that's awesome so with that though like because you had so many opportunities to find bitterness and you chose not to but you also said you kind of had you kind of saw some like stuff within the church and you're just like kind of over some of that so one kind of what brought you to there but two how did you kind of come out of that into where you are now because now you're a pastor uh so yes. so how did Tell us about that bridge, how that bridge kind of happened between the, the bitterness and seeing the hypocrisy of the church, but also now you're like, this is what I do. I got saved is what happened. Yeah. Um, that, that, was, that was what brought the bitterness out of me. Yep. Uh, I grew up, again, respecting ministry. My grandfather was a pastor. My dad's a pastor. My, my great-grandfather was a Presbyterian pastor. My uncles are pastors. So I grew up in a family full of pastors. So I respected the calling 100% because I, I saw the hard work that my family put into this. Yeah. Um, what bothered me was the way church members, these deacons meetings, the way they treated my dad and things that they said to my dad. And my dad, because he was the pastor, could not respond back yeah. the way he would want to. Right. He had to take it, man. And I remember, man, sitting there in some of the deacons meetings, seeing some of the things that my dad or so I say church meetings and seeing how my dad would be, you know, how people would say things to my dad and my mom right there in the meeting, man. And that brought a bitterness to me. Now, I love I love my parents and I, I appreciate the ministry, but I started to hate the church. And that was that was the, the craziest thing that became bitter towards the church. And I remember when I got saved, the minister was preaching. He said this. He said, he said, people are never worth going to hell over. Mm -hmm. And I had to sit there for a moment and think, doggone it, man. My bitterness is sending me to hell, bro. I had this anger towards the church. And I also recognize, again, that just because, you, you know, my mom and dad was a, you know, were Christians and pastors doesn't mean I'm a Christian. 
know what I'm saying? Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're a Christian, right? So, so I had to come to those acknowledgements in my life where I thought, where I realized, man, if I died, I honestly wouldn't be with Jesus. Like I never had a true, genuine encounter with God. It was not until August 13th of 1991. I'm telling you my age now, right? I was 18 years old back then where God got a hold of me and he absolutely changed my heart and literally took the bitterness out of me. So the very thing that I said I will never do is the very thing I became. When God saved me, not only did I get saved, I also submitted my life to ministry that moment there. So August wow. 13th, not only did I, did I get saved, I surrendered to the, to the preaching ministry. I even remember saying and pray, praying, Lord, not only do I give you my life, Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my future. I'm going to surround. I'm going to submit myself to your ministry and preach the gospel until I die. But I also said this. I said, but God, here's what I'm going to ask you to do, because you already know in ministry, you're going to need a wife. I already pray for my wife. I'm 18 years old and I'm already praying for my wife. August the 14th on a Wednesday, 1991, I'm walking outside, going to breakfast at camp. And I see this Latino woman just walking right by. And I said, that's my wife. And 27 years later, we've been married. So it's been, again, when God does it, man, he does it. So that's what happened to me. It, I got saved and the minutes left. So some takeaways are uh, if you want to find a spouse, go to summer camp. Um, make 100%. sure that you're positioned in a good spot in the dining hall. And uh, just keep keep your eyes peeled for when God sends the one. I mean, scope them all that's out. That's an ABC one two three plan right there. I like it. That's how it goes. That's how it works. Camps work. Amen. Yeah. That's you guys awesome. are always you guys are always around at camps. Do you guys have any camps you're going to this summer? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So if you're a PK and you're around them and you're you're gonna see uh, <clears throat> John or Sammy one of them camps. You need to find them and say, hey, I'm praying for my spouse. I'm a, <laughs> we want to find one here at this camp. And maybe one of them will give you a little shout out or someone that can be your wingman uh, at the camp for you. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Pray for your spouse, man. Pray for your spouse. Pray that God bless you, that woman of God, that man of God. Don't be, dark, don't be settling for some little punk off the street, man. I've heard some of your stories about the time when you kind of stepped away from the Lord and stepped away from the church. Um, and maybe there's a piece of that that you want to share, but um, that whole coming, the whole coming back that Eli brought up. What I am hearing you say is that the person who is embittered toward the church and maybe rightfully so they've been hurt, sure. they've been harmed, they're running away from people. Uh, what can we say to them? What could we share with them? Because it was salvation that brought you back. What do you say to the one who's like, yeah, I'm saved, but I'm never going back to that. They've said too many things. They've done too many things. What do you say to him? Yeah, you know, I think one of the biggest, the biggest failures that we have, especially when it comes to church hurt, right? Um, there are two sides of church hurt. The first side is a literal, someone hurt you, someone said something to you, and it crushed your spirit. I get it. The other side of church hurt is they have no desire to serve God. They have no desire to worship the Lord, nor to even have communion with him, that they just want a reason to say no to the Lord. Mm. Two sides of church hurt. Mm -hmm. So I would say this to anyone that's listening is find out which part of church hurt you're at. Or you're, what side you're on? Are you on the side of 
yeah, I really don't want God because it because he goes against my life or goes against my lifestyle, that I just need a reason to say no to God, and I'm going to blame God's church. The other side of it is I was hurt, and I'm not going to come back to God, so I'm going to blame God's church. Mm. The sad thing about it is that not only are you blaming God's church, you're blaming God. Remember this is your hurt had nothing to do with God. Remember that. Your hurt had nothing to do with the Lord. Your hurt came from malicious or vile or jealous or, you know, just destructive people that you happen to come across and they happen to do something to you, backstab you, said something bad about you, and you were hurt. The worst thing that you and I can ever do is to blame God for it because God did nothing to you but love you and honor you and giving you life and giving you grace and giving you hope. And if all you do is say, man, God, I, th that's the reason why I'm not going to come to you, Lord, is because of your children. Can you imagine that? Here's the worst thing that you, can, that you and I can ever do, especially preacher's kids. Listen, one day, preacher's kid, your mom and dad are not going to be with you when you stand before the Lord. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad won't be with me when I stand before the Lord. I'm not going to be with my daughter nor my granddaughter when they stand before the Lord. They're going to stand by themselves. And the worst thing that you can ever say is, God, I would have served you, but your kids suck. Could you imagine that? Well, no, it's horrible because what's God going to say? But see, but my kids is who I died for the same way I died for you, the same way I died for them. And you blamed me in the process, man. I would say this, man, don't blame God for your hurt. Matter of fact, run to God because you're hurt. Mm. Hold on to the Lord and his promises because you were in pain. But if you've ever said, but I want to be like Jesus. Well, welcome to the life of Jesus. Yep. It comes with pain. It comes with backstabbing. It comes with hurt. It comes with people talking bad about you in front of your face or behind your back. It doesn't matter. Live for the Lord. Serve the Lord with all your heart. Fall in love with Jesus. Connect with him. Communicate with him. And I guarantee it, everything else around you just won't matter anymore because Jesus becomes your everything. That's awesome. That's a, that's a whole whole word right there. We can take that and, and, and run with that. So on the flip end of the spectrum, where have been some places though that have been fun for you to minister to? So you've got to travel the world, you've got to do all the things. Where's the place that you go, this is a fun place to go, or this is a fun region to go, this is a fun state to go to, country to go to. What does that look like for you? Okay, so yeah, so you know, if I can think of places I've been to, of course, Israel is probably my number one. I love Israel, it's fantastic, it's great. Uh, but I would say the next place I would love that I love going to, honestly, is literally East Coast or West Coast, Los Angeles, California. Mm. And again, if Los Angeles, if, if California was like Florida, I would be in Los Angeles already. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would be in Cali without a, without a doubt. But it's so stinking whatever. Anyways, that's that story for another time. Um, <laughs> so I would say California because it's always fun in California. But the second part is New York. Doggone it. New York is fun to minister in because the people... Again, the New Yorkers, they don't care. They don't care what they say. They don't care how they look. They don't care what's up. And when you preach to them, they are wild and crazy. So New Yorkers and Californians are my two favorite places to go to. Two opposite yeah. spectrums. Both, yeah. both left-wing ideology in whatever they do. But man, they're amazing to speak to. I love them. I love New York. So is, it, is it that you find it easier to preach there or just, just a fun crowd, just a fun group of people to be around? Both. It, 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 it's a fun crowd to be around, but they're, e but they're easier to preach to because they want to hear you. They want to hear what you say. As opposed to, don't get me wrong, coming to Texas, it's Bible Belt. It's like, tell me something I don't know. 
Yep. Tell me something I have not already heard. Tell me something. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, you know, in, uh, you almost, it almost sounds regurgitated. Yeah. But go to New York, go to California, where the gospel's not really that strong. Uh, they're ready to hear it, dude. And it's fun. It's fun to preach to them. My favorite I feel part. like I feel like people in the Bible Belt are so much more cynical, uh, even like because they're just like, we've heard it. We've been here. We've done that. It's just so cultural Christianity. There's not much heart transformation in there. Yes. I'm kind of generalizing here for, for a lot of it. But um, but you're right. Whenever you get to places that where it's not shoved in their face always and every family in the South is not in church on Sundays, they're wide open. And it's so fun to see that. That's fun to see. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You've been pastoring. You've been traveling globally and on national tours with great organizations like I Am Second and the BGEA and others. So you've had a front row seat to see how the church has been shifting and changing uh, over the last 30 years of your following Jesus and, you know, uh, 40, almost 50 years of growing up around the ministry. Where's the church at today compared to where they were 50 years ago? What has changed and what do we need to get, get back to? I guess what I'm asking is, what are you seeing in the church today and uh, how can we address it if it's a bad thing? What are the good things that we can celebrate? It's good. So we're now, now I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to split a hair. I'm going to split a hair real quick. Where is the church at today? The church is the church, the capital C church, the blood, the blood bought church, spirit filled church is about to experience revival. Like none, no one has ever experienced the church. Now, where do church members are going to experience? Different story. They're shallow. It's a different story between the church, the church, someone who's a real Christian, a follower of Christ, than those that attend service members. Um, what we're seeing now is we're seeing we're seeing a country filled of church members and not Christians. We're mm -hmm. seeing a country filled with um, uh, with church goers. And they have yet to go ye therefore make disciples of all, of all nations. The church will go. The church will move forward. The church is already ignited by the Holy Spirit of God, covered by the blood of Jesus, walking on his word, and have their focus on Jesus. Church members and those that want to ease their conscience to say, my name is written on the books of this church, and so I go there whenever I want to. When, when, when my son and daughter don't play baseball on a Sunday morning, or if I don't have to mow the lawn, the front yard, the backyard, or whenever we want to get up and go, I'll go because that's my convenience. Those are church members, and those individuals like that that are not connected with the Spirit of God, they're going to experience one of the most, uh, uh, one of the most brutal times in their quote-unquote walk with Christ. Um, I, I think I think what we're seeing now is churches, um, churches that are not discipling their congregations are going to be churches that will die within a year or two, especially for what's going, especially for what's to come. So that's where the the church is is about ready to experience revival. Churchgoers, they're going to have one of the hardest times of their lives. Hope that makes sense. No, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I agree with it, hundred percent. Well, we're coming to the close of our time together, and I so appreciate you listening to the PK podcast and spending the last 30, 40 minutes with us. Of course, we love you, 
and we appreciate you, and we're here for you. We like to say that if you need to vent, cry, or cuss, you can always call us. And uh, we That's a shirt. <laughs> that's, that's the shirt, too. And uh, maybe you can pick one of those up on our Instagram sometime in the future. You just can't wear it around the church members. But one of our favorite parts of episodes like this is when we ask our guest to write kind of a Dear Younger Me episode. Uh, Dear Younger Me letter. And that's how we'd love you to close this episode, Sammy. Um, talk to yourself as a teenager. You pick the age. And with what you know now about the Lord and about life and everything else, maybe even about the Cowboys, what do you say to younger Sammy? And with that, we'll close our episode. God loves you more than you would ever think or imagine. Don't take that girl seriously because that's not the one for you. Love the church as Christ loved her. Don't take yourself too serious. Enjoy life and enjoy the process and go with the flow. Don't get wrapped up in the silly the silly conversations that don't make any sense. That's going to wind up hurting you and make you cry to sleep at night. Uh, don't walk around thinking that you have a chip on your shoulder because you have something to prove when there's nothing to prove before the Lord. Take God seriously. Uh, now at this younger age and grow up to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your strength. Prepare yourself for God's focus and purpose in your life. Don't get so wrapped up in the Dallas Cowboys because they'll break your heart for the next 27 years. Boom. <laughs> well, Eli, that was a really great episode. I enjoyed that interview with Sammy. What'd you think? Man, I loved it. He's awesome. I think that him being able to touch to the hearts of the pastor's kids, it's what we all need, man. It's what we all need. I was especially interested <laughs> when we started asking him about what brought him back to the church. And his answer was, well, I got saved. And I think that could probably be the story for so many that they've grown up in professional religion that they know all the right things to say and do, but it's not real for them. Like I remember when faith became real for me, it wasn't my dad or my grandpa or my great grandpa's faith anymore. It was, I got saved. Um, I, what would you think about that? I loved that. It's like he touched on, like, it's just not, you can't piggyback off your parents. You can't piggyback off the church you're at. You can't, you've got to make it real for yourself. And uh, to me, that's exactly my testimony as well. I had to make it real for myself. So I co-sign with that. Well, we've got some incredible episodes on the horizon with regularity. We've got upcoming episodes with uh, Luke McDonald, Landon McDonald. We have Olivia Lusco coming, Luke Chaddick. Um, oh, I'm really excited, and I don't know, maybe we should leave this as a surprise, but might as well uh, let it out there. We've got Church Chad coming on the podcast. Uh, if you follow It's Church Chad, uh, uh, Caleb Huff on social media, you know that he's got the some of the best videos, and turns out he's a preacher's kid, and so he's going to be with us on an upcoming episode. We've got some great stuff on the horizon, and we want to hear from you, so... Uh, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. We're everywhere that you are. We'd love for you to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. And send us your messages, leave your comments, and we respond to every single one of them. Because, again, if you need to vent, cry, or cuss, you can always count on us. We love you. You're not perfect kids. You're just preacher's kids.